Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Recording this on Morgan Riley Day, 4-4, after the Leafs defeat the Columbus Blue Jackets. What was the final score? 4-2? 4-2. Uh, yeah. Joined by Jason today. He was at the game. Yes, sir. Good game. Like, I guess it was, a, yeah, it was a good game to watch. Little crowd was a little dead, but uh, other than that, yeah, it was it's fun. Tuesday. Yeah, right. Tuesday game against one of the worst teams in the league. Like, yeah. You're not really gonna get 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 the crowd much in it, but they were they were loud when when uh, Matthew scored, which was fun. Yeah, um, yeah, just you you can tell that the fans on edge, uh, on edge, wait, ready like, for playoffs too. Right, yeah, just playoffs tickets went on sale today. Wow, so I uh, there was I, I went to I clicked the link. I'm like, let's see how much they are. Whatever, I couldn't even get to the part where they showed me how much it was. There was such a long wait. I just I just gave up. I'm like. I don't care. I'm not going to be able to, to, to do this, but yeah. anyways, so um, to get into details of this game, uh, number one, I can really tell why Columbus is in last place. Um, defensively, they suck. Yeah. There are so many pieces missing to that. Like it, it, I don't know. They have some good players. You saw some flashes, Johnny Goudreau, Kent Johnson. Uh, right. But like Adam Boakvist is a mess in his own zone. Like, and that's a guy you got in a that was a pretty key piece in the Seth Jones trade, was it not? Yeah, but to be fair, in like the, the Seth Jones trade, they also got picks and like Yeah. Like, true. Yeah. Like I think I think maybe Boquist, he's still still like what twenty. He was a first round pick. He was like yeah. a top ten pick. Yeah, he's, but he's still still got a lot to a lot of work to do. We'll say Yeah, that. exactly. So and and also like with um Zach Wernski out definitely doesn't help. No anyone out in that lineup, like just makes it tougher for everyone. Right. He's only 22. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, we've Trading seen Gavrikov too. Like, yeah. Yeah. So they're dear. Definitely. Yeah. I kind of forgot he's 22, but yeah. Well, he... good Branson. Is, is he hurt? He wasn't playing. It doesn't he's matter. Hurt. He's not yeah. good. So. I know. No, I, I just, <laughs> I'm just, just going to come on blatantly say it. He's, he's not a good defenseman. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> would have helped us tonight. Probably. Exactly. I was just thinking about, uh, the game, I was just like, wait, why was there no Eric Branson? And like, yeah, yeah. I mean, no Branson, no Line A. Like, they're they're mm. all the all the trades they that made at the deadline. It. Like, they're they're a shell of them themselves. But for like sure. you said, those young guys are, I guess, a bright spot. Like, uh, then good like Fun. good throw. That's the one team I would like. I would really like for Bedard to go to. Like, yeah. you, you have Line A, you have your Goudreau, you have Kent Johnson. Who I think he's going to be a fantastic player. Um, not, not only- Cole Sillinger, who like fell off totally this year, but hopefully he picks it back up because he was very good last year, right? Yeah, and and, and not only that, like they have a GM who's willing to kind of make when, some noise. When, yeah, when like like Yarmo Kikalainen smart enough to realize like, hey, getting Connor Bedard for three years at nine fifty is not fair. Like that's actually like a, one of the best edges you can have in all sports, mm-hmm. getting guys on rookie contracts. So he'll, I mean, he, I guess he kind of partially did it this year dipping in the free agency, but he'll dip more into free agency, dip more into uh, like oh, yeah. these trading for these like big, big ticket players. Cause yeah. Like when you have a guy, when you have Connor Bedard on a nine fifty K salary, it's like, you gotta, yeah, you gotta squeeze the juice, right? Learn from the Leafs, oh. squeeze that juice for the rookie deals. So, Oh yeah. Cap inefficient. It's a cap. It's a market inefficiency. Mm-hmm. Just have exactly. To, have those guys on, on rookie deals there. But yeah. anyways, get into this game. The Leafs had total, close to 50 shots tonight. And if you missed this one, 
like just I, I can't imagine anyone that missed this game the surprise on their face when they hear that the Leafs almost had 50 shots against a guy making his first career NHL start and the goal scorers were Zach Aston Reese Zach Aston Reese and Alex Kerfoot from Nick Abruzzese Abruzzese sorry that's kind of funny, isn't it? Like the goal scores. It's, it's yeah, great it's, to see, actually. Like, I mean, when you think about it further, it's like, okay, yeah, we've been dying for some depth scoring. And you know what? We finally got it. And that's why the Leafs were able to pull through in this one, which is funny because they had 50 shot, almost 50 shots on net. And they pulled through because of Zach Aston, Zach asked TSN Reese, who had. He scored another two goals on TSN tonight, and they said it on the broadcast, but he has eight of his 10 goals this season have come on TSN broadcasts. That's kind of crazy and really funny. Yeah, and I don't know if this is like a, maybe I'm just thinking too much about this. Maybe this is just like a random trend that I've noticed and picked up on, but it feels like later on in the season, and it felt the same thing last year with kind of Engvall doing the same thing. Our depth, depth players are scoring more as the season goes on, and I wonder if that has to do just with them just getting more ice time. Like the last three games, just looking at Zach Aston Reese, he played 12 minutes. Last time he played 12 minutes before those last three games was in that was February 26th. So like, I don't know if, if this is like a, an angle or so. I don't, I don't even know what this is, but like, yeah, like it, it, I felt like we got, kind of got a similar thing last year with, um, I mean, since like, he came in January, but mm-hmm. he had a killer second half of the year for sure. I know what you mean with Pierre Engvall. He went on a bit of a tear yeah, and, to finish and just, the season. Just um, with these last couple of games, like maybe, I don't know if mm-hmm. it's a, a half of it is like trying to manage um, load manage. I'm doing air quotes uh, like that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the top six. I don't know if it's just, I'm noticing this now because they're playing these guys are like, I don't know. We're not doing 11 and seven. Now they're going to like, these forwards are going to play more, but I guess that's kind of counterintuitive because if you're doing 11 and seven forwards should play more anyways. I don't know. Um, I'm just, I try to figure it out, rack my brain as to what it is, but it just, it feels like that our depth scoring is coming on late and it felt like the same thing kind of happened last year. And I wonder if that's like a trend league wide, or if it's just something I've noticed this, this year and last year. It's a great point. Uh, it's definitely something to take a look into to see why. I mean, one thing I can think of, like when you look at Engvall's goals last year, like one of them was in a game they killed the Lightning. If you remember that off the rush, it was a beautiful shot, and it was just like a, I don't know, Lightning went down, they got pounded. Like it, the, the first round, they were already in the playoffs, and it was just kind of like a, a well kind of thing. It wasn't really like a, a do or die kind of game. Um, and then you got to think also lower teams, teams lower in the standings, they trade off their better players. So they become less competitive. Like the games overall in these last like 15 games for a lot of teams, they become less competitive when you think mm-hmm. about it. Like it's, it's on and off. Like the Leafs, like think about the Leafs these past like 15 games, like either they're on and they're playing very well or like the bad games are very bad. And it's just kind of like, uh, ah, like air out of the sails, air out of the tires, and you're just kind of, you know, getting grounded, patented. Yeah, and, and maybe it's also that that's also the like sentiment of the team. Something else too. No, no, no. I, I see what you're saying with that, and like, but like to add to that as well, like, like I don't know if you're a top six guy, and, and that's like last 15 games of the season, you're, you're locked in the playoff spot. You're kind of just trying to stay healthy. 
trying to like just go through the motions to be mm-hmm. like good process oriented, not care so much about your points. Some guys might, but, but if you're in the bottom six, if you're fighting for a spot in, in on your roster, if you're fighting for a contract next year, fighting for, I don't know, uh, not, not to be scratched in the playoffs, right? Like maybe that's part of the reason why maybe I'm just, again, maybe we're just making these things up, but. I mean, when you look at it also, like Austin Matthews has turned it on this last month. What did he yeah. do last year this month? Killed it as well. Um, John Tavares, William Nylander, especially at five on five, how have they done this month? Not very good. Like this past 30 days, it hasn't been that productive. I mean, Nylander's gotten a ton of chances. Just, you know, this is how PDL works. <laughs> Everything regresses towards the mean. Um, I think he's playing better than he was last year, but chances haven't been going in. Um, and then you look at and then look at the depth from last year. There was a couple guys on the depth that were, you know, that played well and put the puck in the back of the net as well. It's kind of a there are kind of similarities in that sort of sense. I see what you mean. It is something to that is definitely something to take a look at in terms of take like a a sample of depth players and compare their points totals and their scoring from this first half of the season to the second half of the season, um, or just take the overall league scoring and see what, how it trends from first half to the second half. And yeah, something to look for next week. That's, but it is an interesting point. I think it definitely has legs. Just a random thing I thought of just on the way home tangent, massive tangent, but Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Zach Aston Reese, I think, last 11 games has four goals. So yeah, yeah. that's where this would have that's, come that's, from, you know? That's what spawned it, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. But anyways, in terms of this game, we saw a little bit of lineup shuffling, which was surprising considering this is game 77 and there are not many games left until the playoffs. And, you know, we would like... There was a lot of moves at the deadline, so we would like to see some cohesiveness and continuity, but it was pretty fun to see uh, Marner and Nylander on a line together. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good. I just don't know how. What don't know if it'll ever it stick. Yeah. 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 It's just like, I don't know. Are you gonna... Yeah. It's not like it didn't work. It's just, again, like with Ryan O'Reilly in the mix, it just changes the dynamic of everything. And I, I don't know if that's like cliche to say, but like, yeah, like I just don't, so unnecessary, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I just don't understand, I guess, like, again, kind of going to go on a tangent here, but I just don't understand why now you decide to do these things, right? Like you could have done this at any point throughout the season. You chose to keep continuity from games one until game, I don't know, 65, it felt like, like for mm-hmm. legit the first 60 games. And like you tried to like keep the continuity where you could with all like we had a ton of injuries and they still tried to like keep that continuity didn't really try too much like maybe i'm misremembering like maybe you can correct me on that like i I don't i don't remember like us trying to be too adventurous of the lineup it felt like it was kind of uh there was a point where matthew i think matthews marner bunting started the season together that kind of wasn't working so then they put matthews with or marner with Tavares, and that's kind of that's all the shuffling we kind of got Pretty much, yeah. And then we had like Pontus Holmberg on the fourth line. Um, yeah, there was like David a fourth camp on the third line. But the big thing was we were actually happy about that though, because we were saying you're not just blending the lines every other every other shift. Like we're getting some continuity, we're getting some chemistry built to uh, amongst the the players. So that's where it actually like looked really good. But 
to your point on that, like now we're not getting that continuity and, you know, some of these efforts look pretty disjointed. I mean, if you look at, we haven't even finished the Columbus game, but I don't think there's really much to say in a romping or a, you defeated, you barely beat a last place team. So who cares? But when you look at the Detroit game, like the Leafs had the puck, the majority of that game, they had the majority of the shots. They had some pretty good chances, but it didn't feel like the best effort. And also on top of that, you made a goalie that was on waivers earlier in the year look like Ryan Domicasic, like just to show how disjointed the effort was and how like kind of individualistic, like one and done it was. You didn't get those rebound chances. You didn't get too many tip chances. You didn't get too many prime, prime looks. You got a bunch of like good one-on-one with the goaltender looks but you didn't get those like backdoor passes. You didn't get good tips. You didn't get good traffic or rebounds on Alex Nadelkovic. And it felt disjointed. And why could that be? Well, like you've been flipping the lines every other game. And now that you've done this Matthews or sorry, Tavares bunting or Tavares Marner Nylander line, like with O'Reilly coming back next game, are you going to do that again next game? Oh, uh, are you going to do Marner, Nylander, Tavares again next game? I don't think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, to I, your I, point, there hasn't been continuity. And like, does that scare you going into playoffs? Yeah. Like, I, it, it makes you worry just because, like, there's six games left, right? So, yeah. 76 six games left. And two of those games, you're we talking about this just before. One is against Boston, one's against Tampa. The Tampa games, two games, there's the second last game before the end of the season. I, 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 we talked about it last week. I cannot imagine them playing their, like and anyone playing significant minutes against Tampa. Like I feel like majority of the team's going to be scratched emergency call-ups that, that whole shebang. Um, like just trying to peek at LTIR space to see like what we could realistically do. But like, I, it, it, to me, it's not like, it's not worth it. Cause you know, that Tampa is first of all going to do the same thing, but they're not going to arrest guys like Pat Maroon. They're not going to arrest guys like Corey Perry. They're not going to arrest those guys. Right. Or maybe they do. And, and if they do, maybe it's not going to be as trippy of a game as I'm thinking, making it out to be in my head. I'm hoping it's not like that, but again, yeah, six games left, take away the Tampa game, five games left. They also play Boston, which I could see end up being the same kind of situation where we're, we would want to rest guys because they're like, we don't want to get into that chippy style of the game this late in the season to risk injury. Now you have four games to try and figure this out. And I actually have no idea what the game one line lineups are going to be. And I, that makes me scared. No it, idea at all. Yeah. Like I, I, re- I really don't like, do you like, do you think you have like a read? I, can't, on what the I don't think anyone sh- should be confident in what they, what they're going to be because simply because we haven't seen O'Reilly uh, playing at all. I mean, we did get today a peek at what it would look like. And it was O'Reilly on the third line, um, I believe. So, but also then again, you have to consider Nylander didn't skate today. So again, some more jumbled nonsense. So like we can only really guess what the game one lines are going to be. I think next game against Boston is going to be the last game that we're going to see like an actual playoff lineup. Like whoever's in that game is projected to be in for game one. That's my opinion. Samsonov starting. You're going to see Riley Shen. You're going to see McCabe uh, Brody, and you're going to see Giordano Hole. 
right? Yeah, yeah. Or I, I could be wrong and they could put Gustafson in because he's been out for a little while and they want to get him some reps. Yeah. And then that shuffles it even more. Well, I, I don't I don't even know if Gustafson's going to like I wonder if he's going to be available he's to back. us in the Is he back? Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I just back. didn't I didn't see he was at practice this today. That's why. Uh, he... he wasn't, but he took warm-ups. Oh, okay. Okay. I see. I missed that. Back. Okay. Okay, good. 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 Well, that's that's good to see. Um, but yeah, wait. Did you say O'Reilly's on the third line? Cuz I'm looking at David Alter's tweet. He says on the second line. Who's the second line? Uh, O'Reilly, Tavares, Marner. First line of Bunting, Matthews, Yarncrook. No Nylander no at practice. Okay, so I was wrong. Never mind. Um, but, I mean, who are we missing? It feels like we're missing someone. It's Nylander. Nylander, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a line as well going in. Like, I know you said maybe O'Reilly on the third or... That that makes the most sense to me. Again, like I feel like I've said this time and time again, like having three deep centers is really, really, really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Like really, really beneficial. Um, and then yeah. I just want, oh, maybe. Okay, maybe they do go Tavares, Marner, O'Reilly. And then it would be Nylander with Matthews up top. So, Yeah. I, I here here's the thing though. If Marner is not playing with Matthew, I, I everyone's gonna hate me for saying this because everyone loves Nylander and it's not a slate on Nylander. I'm I have to preface this. This is not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diss Nylander here. Like I, I don't think they, they should play together because again, like I, I feel like I've said I, I would rather us roll three three lines of our top nine evenly. I'd rather than roll those lines evenly and just have a crap fourth line than kind of like overload the top two and not be as comfortable with our bottom bottom six as we are with our top six. That's what I would prefer. And I think that like, if you look at um, just off the top of my head, some teams that have won the cup recently, again, the Pittsburgh Penguins are just kind of sticking out in my head is that they had not only like a good third line, but mm, a great third line that they good. weren't, weren't afraid to roll like whenever. HBK line. Exactly. Like, and it's crazy because Look, like, I, you never really re- realized how good Benino was until, like, kind of after that. And it's like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. And, like, mm-hmm. a third-line center, he's, like, a above, like, above-average third-line center. could, like, yeah, like, that's kind of the guy you want in the, in the playoffs. And we have a guy who's, can, them. Yeah. who's better than that, right? Like, John Tavares is – or, sorry, Ryan O'Reilly as, like, a two-way forward is way better than Nick Benino. Mm-hmm. So, like – And I then mean, it would – Yeah. And then, like, Matthew and Tavares, how different, like, obviously, it's not as good, but it's pretty similar to Evgeny Malkin and, and, and Crosby down the middle. Like, I would say so. Like, and then I don't you think have, that's crazy to yeah, say. Like, like, so if, if we're looking at team builds, and then also um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they, they did the exact same thing. When they won their back-to-back cups, they had three strong top, and it's been their, kind of been what they've been trying to do the past, like, for a while now, is that yeah. three strong top, top nine, and then mm-hmm. just five to five to six minutes, some games, even like two minutes for the fourth line, depending on the game state. So um, yeah, the fourth line's not, if they can chip in, it's great, but you know, take a look at Pat Maroon's totals. Like they're not, they're not exactly eye popping. He's not exactly there to, to expected to put the puck in the back of the net, but definitely an interesting point. I mean, the lightning are the gold standard right now in the NHL. I mean, it's tough denying that. I know they went on a bit of a, uh, a, they were kind of on the schneid uh, towards the end of the season there. I think they picked it back up. Andre Vasilevsky was 
goaltender of the week last week, just to, to show he's getting back into playoff form there, but you can't discount the lightning. They have the majority of their team that they've had for these past three playoffs. Like they have those key players. They have Kucherov. They have Braden point. They have Victor Hedman. They have Sergachev and the list. And they have Andre Vasilevsky. The list goes on and on of all these great players that they've been able to retain. Like that's why they are the gold standard. Right. So, you know, that's why we, we compare ourselves to them and that's who you're playing in the first round as well. But as you said, they have those three strong lines and yeah, it, I wonder, like it's, I really do wonder what would be the better, because what would the third line look like if you load up and put Ryan O'Reilly on the second line? Uh, right now it's, it depends is, is, so there's, it would be the, like a Chari in at center. It's, it's like a two part question mm-hmm. is William Nylander on the third line or is he playing with Matthews? That's why I'd be top six. Be okay. Top so six. then, so then is bunting or yarn crook in the bottom six? Um, it'd be one, be of the, bunting. one of those two plus probably, I don't, uh, camp for Achari and then Lafferty. It looks like it looks like based on the practice lines this morning, uh, and just talking through this right now in my head, I, I wouldn't mind like camp locked right wing with Lafferty, Achari locked right wing with Kerfoot, and then between Aston Reese and uh, nice. Okay, so yeah. Bunting, Anyways, like, rotate those left wings, kind of like mm-hmm. not rotate them. Like obviously, Bunting's not going to get like hopefully it yeah get scratched, but you know I'm, you know what I'm trying to get get out there. Yeah. So my question is, are you comfortable with that being your depth in the playoffs? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Like it depends. Okay. Is Bunting is Bunting a true top six forward? If you really think he's a top six forward who can drive his own, and I don't I don't mean top six in the sense of he won't drive his own line. No. Yeah, like can he drive? I think he's he, a he's a good passenger top six. Good passenger top six. Uh, yeah. This is always uh, valuable to have. Like Yarncroft is a passenger top six because he brings something to the top six, right? Yeah. He's not, I wouldn't say like, oh, it's a fantastic 60 point on his own player, right? Mm-hmm. So just a little food for thought, but I'm glad we spelled that out. I mean, I think then that you're probably best off spreading out the talent on those top three. And then you have three legit defensively responsible lines that are able to score as well. So, all right. That was yeah. a interesting exercise to go through there. Um, the next thing we wanted to talk about was, or the next thing I wanted to talk about was I was getting some messages about the game on Sunday against the Detroit Red Wings and how the Leafs put up a ton of shots. The expected goal total wasn't that that high. They only put in two past Alex and Nedeljkovic, who is having a very tough year this year. Do you think the Leafs are scoring enough or doing enough disrupting in front of the net? Or is like, are you worried about the offense that they're bringing? Uh, right no, now? I don't. I don't think so. I'm not that worried. Because again, no. like I like I like to look at shot charts um okay. for this. And again, like I'm seeing a lot of red in front of the net in that game in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh just gonna go through and like even tonight, like I assume everywhere is probably gonna be like lit up because of how many shots we got <laughs> tonight. Yeah, like the front of the net, like the danger areas are all red. Like that's where all the shots are coming from. It might not be like grit grid gritty, like 
mm-hmm. goals where it's like fighting through guys to get to that area. That area might just be open because a player found space there and they received a, a good pass. And so maybe some people aren't like that doesn't translate to like the dirty areas, but in reality, you're finding like, it's the same area. It's just, it's like, I don't know, like the two, way, no, mm-hmm. two, no two ways to skin a cat. I've absolutely blundered. That's that uh, saying there. Um, and then PETA is now going to be on our I ass. Remember, but, yeah. um, I can't, I can't even remember what that saying is, but yeah, I, I, I to add on to what you're saying, I do agree. It was just something that was brought to my attention. When you look at those two games, like when I look at games, you like to look at what happens within the game, like to, so in terms of like, sorry, to, to back up for a second here, in terms of numbers and expected goals and underlying numbers, like they, they they serve a purpose over a large sample size. When you're looking at individual games, you have to look more so more granular. So when you look at the Red Wings game, like what happened David Kampf got a penalty shot. Like, do you remember what happened on that play? It was a very good crash in the net play. Lafferty got in there. He he had like an open net. Nine guys were on top of his back, and it was just a very, very random play. That puck didn't end up, didn't happen to go into the back of the net there. And then, you know, David Kampf ended up taking your penalty shot. So what do you kind of expect there? And then on top of that, like the gameplay and the game, the flow of the game that happened there, you... You didn't have uh, Jake McCabe in that one. You didn't have Mark Giordano in that one. And you didn't, especially you didn't have Mitch Marner in that game. But what happened in that game? Michael Bunting, who's supposed to be in your top six for this game, took a 10-minute penalty and a two-minute penalty. You lost him for 12 minutes of that game. And it kind of affected the game flow there. And then on top of that, Matt Murray did let in two soft goals early. So... Would, should I should you be worried about a Sunday loss off the latter half of a back to back to the Detroit Red Wings in which you controlled play? I wouldn't say so at all. We're not in Calgary's position. We can afford to say, you know what, let's move on from that one. Yeah, and there's a reason why the Leafs also sat Marner, sat Giordano, sat because uh, they could, because they can, and they and they mm-hmm. knew like, hey, like said back to back, we're probably again like. Teams tend to do a lot worse on a back-to-back. Like, uh, safe percentage always on the back-to-back is always down. Like, just no matter what. Also, doesn't what. help that your goalie that had to go in played the night before, played well mm-hmm. on the road, came back into Toronto, did a full workout that morning, and then was just exhausted in the net. Yeah. So, yeah. just it a def- very tough place to be in. But he Abs- played well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, he did. It was- yeah, that's a whole other conversation to get into. But again, yeah, like the, the guys coming in, like Connor, you, you're you're replacing Connor, uh, Mark Giordano, uh, Jake McCabe, and Mitch Marner. If you were to just like let's let I'm like I'm being generous here. Those players are probably worth like if you were to do like a quick war thing. Like those guys mm-hmm. are probably let's let's say six war, six wins mm-hmm. above replacement. All those guys combined, but let's say five. You're replacing them with literally guys, Connor Timmins. Wayne Simmons, Redeem Zahor, or I guess not even Wayne Simmons, Everett Seiza. Everett Seiza. He was in there, yes. Yeah, so like these guys are all below replacement level players. So it's like when when you have those three guys in your lineup, like uh, that, that's just that game's just like, give me a rain check. I'll, I'll watch another one next week. But yeah. It's funny though that you mentioned that because Timmons played well. Timmons had mm-hmm. an assist and yep. Everett Seiza had a primary assist. Yep. <laughs> they but, were positives in that game. I yeah. wouldn't say they were negatives at all, which is kind of funny yeah. because it's like you'd expect, yeah, 
you you replace you put in guys that hadn't played NHL games in God knows how long. And I thought that few of them played very well. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just I just mean Timmons like looked I, good. Overall impact. Like you're you're mm-hmm. you're like getting rid of I know what you mean, legitimate sure. impact yeah. guys for I know. And again, these guys like yeah, it's it's uh I'm not worried about it. Long story short, not yeah. worried about it. I think I think uh yeah, I'll, was was Charlie in last game too? I feel like no, this no, he was uh, exactly. first game back. So Achari, inject Achari, inject O'Reilly. You're going to see more of those chances coming in. So not worried about it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, so yeah, put that game behind you. The Sens game, you that was the one game. And they haven't been outshot much recently, which was a concern of a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. The Sens game, they were outshot by a pretty good margin, 30 to 10. The Sens did have some good chances. But when you look at it, the Leafs went up two, three, nothing. Like they were only down in shots by like two. It was that third period where the leaf, the Sens really brought it on when it was six on five and poured in some shots. But I thought the Leafs held pretty well in that six on five situation. I, I, I even tonight, I, I liked how they've been able to kind of shut it down in their own zone. Right. When yeah. you look at two of the goal, like the transition D's, has been suspect because, you know, who was out there for one yeah. of those goals. And also our goalie fell over. So whatever happens. But yeah, even the Detroit game, three of the goals, three of the four goals were in transition. Tonight, two of the goals were in transition. And then Ottawa, they didn't score. But a lot of transition goals. But the one that, what I was getting at, and it was a long Long, long way to say this, but in terms of in-zone defense, I, I think the Leafs have been pretty good at that, no? I think so, too. I think that's also kind of like a testament to the guys, we, the, the guy, Jake McCabe, that we brought in. Um, Luke Shen. Luke Shen. Luke Shen's well. been yeah. a big part of that as well. Yeah, just, and I don't know if it's also just the team buying in a little more, maybe. Maybe that could Nola be it. Charlie Charlie shot blocking tonight yeah. looked really good. So Mark Giordano um, shot blocking Austin Matthews block shots. Like that's one pos- really positive thing. Their cycle defense and their, their in zone six on five defense has looked pretty good to, to finish the season. You got to give yeah. them kudos there. And and again, like talked about, it's all kind of, that's kind of been a theme of the year is like uh, the, the, the team's emphasis to be better in zone defensively, getting guys who are good shot suppressors, career, good, good career shot suppressors. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of making that a priority. It's it seems like in the off season to get guys like that and shift away from the I don't want to say run and gun style, but like uh like just guys who would just be volume shooters mm-hmm. um and just kind of outshoot opponents like that instead of guys who can reduce chances and then that's how they outshoot their opponents is not by being a volume shooter, but by reducing the other team's chances and trying to capitalize yeah. on that so um yeah no that's a that's a good 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 catch by you there on the, in that game and i think yeah it's a good uh there's good three point. games in yeah. a row i thought they did a good job i mean like justin hall also like he had a tough game tonight good good primary assist didn't look that great on the second goal a few other plays here and there which weren't great i think overall this wasn't one of his better games especially if you look at his past 10 games but he's also a good shot blocker he's also pretty good at keeping guys to the outside so just a little thing of encouragement, we'll call it, uh, that I noticed there. But, yeah. Um, moving on from this, unless you had any other six-on-five notes, but uh, Michael Bunting was... Elephant in the room? Yeah. 
there's been some chatter with regards to him and his relationship with the referees. What are your thoughts on this? I want to get you to start. Um, I mean, okay. So I have, I have some stats that I, I don't have right now that I should have had before that I'm going to pull up, but there is, there is a clear, um, I want to say inflection point of Michael Bunting's career and career, I guess, relationship with the refs. Mm -hmm. Um, on before February 24th, 2022. So that's, that's an important day. People are probably wondering, why does that day important? Well, that was the day Michael Bunting got fined for embellishment. Before that, he had a plus 13 penalty differential. Mm -hmm. After that day, and if after that, this is at five on five, after that day, if you include playoffs, he has a minus two penalty differential. So I think that once it kind of became known that Michael Bunting would... I don't want to say sell, but he, I guess he kind of did sell calls. And, and listen, like, I think it's, I think it's partially an art though. Right. Cause I, I think other players do it too. Right. Like mm-hmm. other players draw a lot of penalties and do that as well. Um, I, yeah. So there's a clear difference from that day forward with how he was officiated. Now, with that being said, the way he acts is not good. Because no. there's literally nothing, literally nothing you can do to change the opinion of these refs. It is the most, it is like trying to, it's like someone being left wing, trying to convince someone who is right wing to come on their side. It's you're, you're never going to win that debate. It's like a political debate. You're never going to win a debate with a referee because they have the, the, they feel they're, they're technically the authority when we, when it comes to hockey, they are the authority. They dictate what happens on the ice if something is allowed, if something is not allowed. And I, I don't know. There's, there's a whole, I'm sure there's a, I'm not a psychologist. I'm sure there's a bunch of psychological reasons behind it, but listen, when, when you yell and swear at the rest, they're not going to be happy about it. And you're yeah. like, of course they're going to want to penalize you more if you do that. Right. So it, it's, it's tough. Cause again, last year, uh, he didn't, get, he didn't draw a single penalty for us in the playoffs. That's surprise. Well, he was also injured, so that he he injured he, pretty bad. Yeah, and he was playing fourth line minutes a couple of times, right? So, and he but he took two, right? Mm. So again, small sample, seven games. Who knows? But I like if you're Michael Bunting, like it's enough is enough. Like you actually he behaved he did, tonight. He behaved tonight he, very. He did well. behave tonight, but he just actually has to just shut up. Like it's it's like mm. that's it, and it sucks because like. I like because what, he's I, been doing it his whole career. Yeah, but I like when he's emotional. I like when he does these things. But and like, yeah, other players do worse things. Like we're gonna like, mm-hmm. hey, if we're gonna talk about like Marshawn or Kadri, like Kadri, like if if we compare like Kadri also got this treatment. But if you compare what Kadri's done to what Bunting's done, it's night and day. I'm sorry, like Kadri's actually like, like he got suspended, like he got, got rightfully suspended for some dirty hits, and he also got suspended in Colorado. So it's not like it's just the Leafs thing, right? But Again, it is painful because you, you, you like it's yeah, it's it's weird because you see Marshawn doing all these things and he's been suspended, he's been fine, but he's also done some other wacky shit mm-hmm. where our I, I it feels like again, if Bunting did that, he probably would get like a penalty for it. But again, this is tit for tat, and you're never gonna win these debates. So 
it's not even worth it to like stress over and freak out over if mm-hmm. you're Michael Bunting. Just get a piece of zip it. I yeah, agree. Just get a piece of mouth tape, put it over your mouth, and that's it. <laughs> so it's one like, thing I want to add to this. So in favor of what you're saying, like the the refs are unfairly, you know, Michael Bunting is soured with the refs, we'll call it. Um, this is from Cam Sharon. Great follow again. We mentioned him many times. Uh, he mentioned this. Uh, so someone mentioned, someone on Twitter, Ben Cameron mentioned, same thing happened to Kadri a few years ago with respects to Michael Bunting. Uh, this was so predictable. This is one of the many being centered of the hockey universe, blah, 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 blah. So Cam Sharon said, this is a good example. In 82 games prior to Kadri's embellishment call against Calgary in March of 2016, he had a plus 0.9 PNDR, penalties drawn per 60, per 60 in all yeah. situations. In the 82 games after that, dead even, zero. A plus minus of zero penalties drawn to take in after that embellishment call. But what I do want to say, you mentioned Marshawn. Like I saw so many people, Marshawn gets away with murder and Marshawn does this and Marshawn does that. Marshawn has like the same penalty differential as Michael Bunting this year. Like he gets the same treatment. They know he's a rat. He's a rat as well. He gets those calls. We just don't pay attention as much to Boston as we do. I mean, but then again, it's a great example. Like he is also a shithead. Like, and shitheads aren't going to get the benefit of the doubt with the ref. Like, I don't know. I didn't get a chance to look up Stamkos, but he's also, a, he's very chatty. And if you remember, I think it was last year, he shot a puck at the ref in the direction of the referee. Didn't get a penalty to it, but shot it pretty good at the ref skate last yeah. playoffs in the Stanley Cup finals, if you remember that one. But I, I, I think though having John Cooper is like a big edge for them because I think he understands how to manage people really well. And I think part of managing mm-hmm. part of being able to manage people as a head coach, like is a big, it's a big need, but I think he has the realization that he doesn't only have to manage his own, his own players he needs to manage his, like the, 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 the front facing perception of the team. Mm-hmm. Very rarely does he ever call out the refs or anything like that. He kind of, it seems like he has a good relationship with the refs. He he has done it before, but he does it very economically. He's very smart guy. So it's like, um, but yeah, I, I think John Cooper helps out with that. And I'm kind of going to segue this. Like, I don't think we handled it that well. I don't think no. saying Kyle Dupas is going to talk to the league about it. That's probably something you just shouldn't mention because so Elliot Freeman. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Elliot Freeman didn't say that. Sheldon Keefe after the game said with regards to the penalty, oh, I'll let, I'll let yeah, Kyle talk to the league about right. that, which is like, I don't, I don't Probably, know if that, yeah. maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know if that's them saying we are going to talk to the league about this because it's a problem. Or if it's, if it's Sheldon keeps just saying, I don't care what happens. That's Shel- That's Kyle Dubas's job to talk to the league. If there's a problem, I don't know if he was saying that there is a problem or if there is, it's Sheldon, it's Kyle Dubas's problem to talk to, but regardless, it made it sound like the head the- coach saying that is an issue. Exactly. Because again, like, because he's not in the good books of the refs either. No he's chance. a huge crybaby when it comes to the refs. Yeah. He's and- all after every call, he's always complaining. Um, and the yelling and the screaming of the refs is childish as well. So I think it's just like, if the least want to start getting, I know it sounds so stupid because you're supposed to call the game as what happens on the ice, but like the refs are human and this is a job. So I think the Leafs just got to shut up. <laughs> Yeah, I know yeah. this is a Leafs podcast, and that's going to be an unpopular opinion in Leafs land. But 
like when you're constantly you're getting Michael Bunting screaming at the refs every every other shift, or he's screaming about something and doing something stupid every shift. And then you have the head coach coming and screaming after as well. Mitch Marner doesn't like he's been caught. His hot mics per 60 is off the charts this year as well. You saw it. You saw it on a play. It wasn't, didn't even look like a penalty against Columbus tonight where he was barking at the ref as well. Like whether it's a penalty or not, like you're not doing yourself any favors from doing that shit. So we saw Michael Bunting behave tonight. That's one game. Hopefully he can continue. Hopefully Sheldon Keefe can continue and we can see some, uh, fair penalties drawn, but I don't think the refs have it out for the Leafs. I'll tell you that, but it does definitely does not help. We'll say to wrap that up. No, it definitely doesn't. And again, like it's not worth like, even if there should have been a penalty in the, in a seven game series, it's just not worth it to like even try and argue for it. Cause again, like Mm -hmm. you'll never, you'll never change their mind. And it's like, it's frustrating. Cause like, like, yeah, like sometimes you do get the short end of the stick. Sometimes like Sheldon Keefe is right to yell at the refs when they miss a like high stick call, like things like things happen. But again, like, is that ever like they missed the high stick call? What are we going to do? Like, what, what, what are we going to do? Like, you missed it. Refs say, okay, so guys in the box, who cares? Like, there's nothing we can do about it. So, yeah, just got to mm-hmm. try and bite our tongue as much as possible, which sucks. That was the one time actually Sheldon Keefe, I was surprised how calm he was that David can stick in game six. Yeah. I mean, he just pointed out, he said, look, like you messed up on this you one. Missed, yeah. Like, and, plain and simple. And it costs so, us. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. Yep. My other note I had for this episode, the goaltending situation again, ha ha ha. Um, yeah. Matt Murray's done. Like it's already looking like he's done for next year too. Like, I mean, I hate I hope- to say it and I hate to laugh about it, but the injury, like this is just like we this is why you received assets to take on this guy. Plain and simple. It's unfortunate and I wish him all the best in terms of health wise, but this is kind of crazy that you know, yeah. You expected this guy to be your starting goaltender. I know, yeah. It's almost like who could have called it, right? But everyone. Um, yeah. Um but yeah, it's it's tough because again, that was like a just whatever an accidental play. It was but, a freak accident, yeah. But like but it wasn't. I don't know. I'm and I'm not trying to be like a. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just I I think the best predictor of future injury is past injury, and especially with a guy who has like concussion problems and like the goaltending position is taxing. I wish on it was body. just concussion. Like he has like a whole whole laundry list of injuries that he's dealt with. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if this is galaxy brain, but maybe some of it also is mental. Like maybe he doesn't feel maybe. like like because Fred, Frederick Anderson when he was here. I mean, it seemed like he was a lot of times he was healthy, but kind of didn't want to play, and he's kind of did healthy. The, yeah, that was a weird that, one too. Did that with Carolina for a bit too. It's like he's like no is he Carolina healthy? Is he not healthy, right? Like they were unsure of him in the play. Well, sorry, the head coach didn't know what was wrong with him. In the playoffs, he was supposed mm-hmm. to be, he was a Vesna nominated goaltender and he was unavailable for the playoffs. And the head coach did not know why. I believe he's something to do with his MCL, maybe, but I don't know. Yeah. But, but uh, again, it, it maybe, is definitely like 
shitty, we'll say. But we have Ilya Samsonov. He's healthy. He's playing well. So ride with him. That yeah, was and- always been the that's always been the plan since it- January. So it- exactly. And and Joseph Wall. Not good, not bad. didn't look good on the first goal tonight, but looked looked better other than that. Second um, goal was also bad, but he made some good saves. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But the second goal was short side, lost his net a little yes, bit. Yes, that was that, that one is actually worse than the first goal. The weird release. First one I can give to him because he fell. Stuff's yeah, gonna happen. Yeah. Lost like, hit a lost rat. an edge, like but played yeah, well. Second one I thought bad. he made some good saves. Yeah. Nice again, save. Yeah, Sheldon Keith said it. If you if you only let in two goals, probably probably gonna win this game. So exactly. Made the saves when it mattered. Um, all that cliche goalie stuff. So uh, yeah, made a really nice save. It was Kirill Marchenko had time and space, and Kirill Marchenko's a decent goal stand- scorer. He had time and space. He walked in off of a uh Justin Hole turnover and he made a really nice save there, as well as several others on top of that, too. Hmm. Rebound control looked good as well. So it's a Encouraging start from Joseph Wall, even if it is a not great team he was playing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. goaltending. I mean, if there was any shred of a debate before, it's been squashed. Your goalie is Ilya Samsonov in the playoffs. Yeah, Lane and some. Yeah, but yeah, um, from this past week. Uh, of the three, who would you want playing more or just playing in the playoffs? Lilgren, Hole, or Shen? Oh my gosh, that's such a hard question. Um, who would you prefer? You you got to give me time to think about this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push this onto you first. I, it's a it's it's like it's an extremely tough question. I mean, based on what I've seen from this entire season, like. Uh, you'd have to. Pick it's two between. Of them, right? It's definitely. It's definitely between Logan and Hole. I like mm-hmm. those two over Luke Shen. Like I know what Luke Shen is. I know he had that great. They showed a replay. Look at Luke Shen boxing him out in front of the net. It's like okay, but also you're missing all the deficiencies of Luke Shen. So whatever. But anyways, I, I do feel more and more he's going to get paired with Morgan Riley, though. Unfortunately. Lilgren has just been very, very up and down. And by like up and down, I mean like he has looked good and he's looked like a, like the issue is he's looked the best of them. And then very recently, he's also looked beyond the worst of them as well. So like if whole plate, like whole had a bad game tonight, like it's very, to me, it's close, but I can still see Sheldon Keith going whole number one of the three. And then Shen and then Logan number three, unfortunately. Just based off what Sheldon Keefe's gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's about right. Um, so sitting sitting Shen, you're saying? No, uh Sorry, right sit, now sitting, sitting Logan. Sitting Logan, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. again, I I've I've kind of professed this for a bit now. I think Logan's biggest weakness does not play well against both Boston and Tampa. And that's, mm. I think, his biggest weakness is playing against a, like a, a aggressive heavy fork check. I think, he's, I think he freezes up a bit on on those plays, and it's not like it's not like holes any better, really. Yeah, I, I he I think he's, I think he is. I think he's just slightly better. Really? He's slightly, yeah. I think he's better okay. at taking hits and, be, and better at moving mm. the puck um, when under pressure. He's maybe he's more prone to make bigger, worse plays, but. Consistently, I think I'd take Hall over Lilligren to make the right play. 
Does that make sense? Ooh. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like his his variance of like play could be horrible, but the frequency mm-hmm. is a lot less of those horrible plays. So um, I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, I, I think no, I, that I, does. I trust, and, and Hall's also looked really good with like Giordano all year, so I, I I don't mind that together. And again, like the the sh- I, again, this only works if McCabe and Brody are together. If they're not together, then we have bigger problems. So. Yeah, it looks like it. So right now I did Leafs over the past five games. So five game sample size. So who would that be? That would be Columbus tonight, Detroit, Ottawa, Florida. Florida and then and Nashville. Nashville. Okay, yes. yeah. So in terms of expected goals, number one is TJ Brody at seventy, almost 72%. Number two is Jake McCabe at 68.07. And then in terms of the defenseman we mentioned here, uh, for expected goals for percentage, which as we mentioned previous episodes, that's essentially chances for versus chances against and the quality of those chances. Um, number four on the team is actually Justin Hole at 63.37. Not bad. And then unfortunately, Timothy Logan's at 50.33. And last on the team is Luke Shen at 41.42. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think not the best game tonight. Yeah. But Justin Hall, I think you're right, has been playing better recently overall. And if if we look at last year's playoffs too, like uh, all of our pairings were positive expected goal differential pairings, but uh, there was a clear difference between Muzzin Hall and, or sorry, Brody Muzzin Hall and who's Hall? Was it Hall Giordano? Hall Giordano. Hall Giordano and. and Versus Logan Giordano. No, not even versus Logan Giordano, but there was a drop off of those two pairs and then the Riley Labushkin pair. Oh yeah. Um, they got and, those, t- they got a pretty tough matchup though. I would say. Yeah. But yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, uh, probably going to be Shen and Lilligren, I think juggling in and out. I don't think Hall will be the guy to juggle um, in and out just because I think. You think he's solidified with Giordano yeah. top four? Honestly, we, we could also see, and maybe this, uh, we're running a little long here, so maybe maybe we'll touch on this next episode. But I I don't I don't think that we will have like one set playoff lineup. I think we're probably going to change between uh, home and away. And I wonder if the defense the the man will change as well. Hopefully, so, it's not huge changes because I don't I, like huge swings. Neither, but neither maybe. do I. But it's just again like based off of patterns of what Sheldon Keefe has done in the past, it seems like that might be something to mm-hmm. look out for. And honestly, maybe this is homework for me for to, for next week's show. Just take a look at how, like, if 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 there's like a noticeable difference between um, defensive partners home and defensive partners away, maybe they lean like tend to lean one one way for I don't know. I know what you mean home, though, like matchups. Away. Yeah, uh, last change. Does Stuff make like, a big difference. Yeah, that 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 changes how you want to coach the game, and mm-hmm. I think there's fifty percent of shifts start, maybe less, start on the uh, on the face off. I don't know. Maybe I think it might be mm-hmm. less, but yeah, it's a big big game to play. So something to consider when you can get a matchup edge on those whenever you can on those shifts. So yeah, yeah, something to look into. Good point. Lots to look into for next episode. Next episode, I really want to talk about penalty kill, special teams going into the playoffs, um, and some other systematic uh, 
things to watch out for. But before we wrap up this episode, just some around the league notes. Uh, there does appear to be a dogfight for the Eastern Conference between who would you say it's between? It's it's the Penguins, the Panthers, and Islanders. Yeah, the Islanders have fallen off a little bit recently. Let me get this up Aren't, here. So we no, can, they're 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 in they're, they're in the in last playoff spot, right last now. wild card spot. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So here it is. So the the Sabers who lost tonight, unfortunately, have two games in hand, but are six points back. I think they're dead. Uh, the they're kind of dead. Penguins are one tonight. Different story. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Penguins are currently one point out with four games left. The Islanders and the Panthers are both tied at 87 points with four games left each. So it's a one point differential. It doesn't seem like the Islanders or the Penguins both want to be winning because they are both losing a lot of games in a row. But anyways, taking a look at the Western conference, the playoff situation there, um, Currently, the Flames have the Jets have one game in hand on the Flames, and they are two points up on them. Uh, Nashville is only one point back of the Flames. Wow, Nashville's still kind of kicking around. Three points back, four games, five games left. They're not, kicking. Uh, yeah, they're kicking. The thing is, um, they they don't have the tiebreaker. Like mm. neither neither Nashville nor Calgary have the tiebreaker with. 34 yeah. row compared to Winnipeg 42 row. Wow. Winnipeg is only one, 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 one game. I don't know why that's so hard for me to say that was not in, that was not in regulation. They've only won one overtime. Yeah. Or, that is kind wait, of interesting. No, that might be, never mind. That's wrong. One shoot. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh yeah. Okay. So the flames lost tonight against the Blackhawks. They're yeah, I, notable heavyweight Blackhawks, and that has essentially torpedoed their playoff odds. Imagine that. What a season it's been for the Flames. Uh, so that's been the NHL playoffs picture. Um, yeah, looks almost set in the West, but we'll, East will go down to the wire for sure. Yeah, and like you said, if you're Pittsburgh, like it's funny because Pittsburgh and New York, like neither team would want to be in the playoffs. It's kind of like what... Was it who was it last year talking about playing the, the avalanche or was that the avalanche or the oilers? Uh, it was uh it was Brent Sutter talking about uh playing the avalanche in the first round. He's like, Yeah, it's good that would just be a waste of eight days. Yeah, and I feel I think I think both Pittsburgh and New York probably feel like that playing Boston. So uh, we'll see I on mean, that one. Yeah. Could could be massive though. Could go the other way. Like could, I was gonna say uh, on a side note, like could be massive for Florida to be playing. Carolina, because if Carolina does lock up that spot, like I, like, I think Carolina is good, but they have some holes. Like they're they missing, definitely deficiencies. They, they don't score. They're not that good. They, they're like because they lost Svechnikov and Pacioretty. They don't have the scores to kind of and didn't add anything. Yeah, they added they Shane Gostisbehere, Scott, and and uh, Pugliarvi. That's it. Those guys mm-hmm. are elite <laughs> goal scorers, right? You lost. Pugliarvi's not an elite scorers. goal scorer. Oh, you don't say. Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> No, they they could sneaky go on a run. This Panthers team, if they're able to Maybe. make the playoffs, because again, they can they can score, they can score, mm-hmm. and up against a team like Carolina, who is not that good at scoring. Who knows? Who knows exactly? Uh, last thing to close it out in terms of junior hockey, uh, Kitchener being up on Windsor right now. Windsor was the number one seed. Kitchener is up three nothing in the series on them. 
that is massive. Windsor traded for Shane Wright. They traded all their assets to make a good push this year. So to be down 3-0 in the first round is uh, a little bit scary if you're the the Windsor Spitfires here. But that's all I had for today. You have anything to close out on? Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. Frozen Four is on when did you Thursday. Say Thursday, and then finals are on Saturday. Saturday, I believe. Yeah. All right, let's. Uh, so we could potentially get See what Matthew, happens. Matthew Nye is injected into the lineup on. This Sunday. is the fourth. Uh, sun, the not we play Saturday, so. Some. Uh, who knows? Anyway, so we'll be playing the Bruins on Thursday, perhaps Saturday, mm-hmm. Panthers on Monday, and then we'll be back for the Lightning game. Yeah, preview. Exactly. Exactly. Anyhow, that's all we had for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Goalie skull.